for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it all right welcome everybody this is the reality czar's podcast and i'm your only host today uh tony is moving across the country so we wish him luck uh i got an awesome guest on today we have the great and powerful pete quinones and uh, I'm excited to talk to him. Pete, you want to tell us uh, where to find you, projects you're working on? We kind of do the plugs up top. Sure. Uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Um, I have a, a sub stack that's gotten pretty popular over the last year. It's called By Any Memes Necessary. It's Um Libertarian Institute. Myself and Scott Horton actually just started a podcast together. We're going to be doing an episode every couple of weeks called uh, end, The End of the Empire. And I also have a documentary on Amazon Prime called The Monopoly on Violence. And it's, the, it's a history of the state and the first documentary on anarcho-capitalism and a real in-depth look into anarchism and the history of anarchism that um, anybody's ever done. I, I know some have been done, but not the way we did it and not the way, um, not the effort and research we put into it. That's for sure. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was great. And uh, I Thank listened you. to the, your new show with, uh, with Scott. That was awesome too. So I'm looking Thanks. forward to more of those. Uh, you guys are working on a new movie too, aren't you? Yeah, um, I just got we're doing interviews right now. And um, Chris Kofer, our director, contacts me and goes, yep, well, we got someone didn't show up to get their interview today. So um, we're, we got another one scheduled for tomorrow. So, yeah, we're in the interview process. Pretty much all the research is done. And um, we actually have an idea and we're already sketching out and having somebody do a treatment for for uh, a follow up um, the third documentary, which, um, that would be, that'd be an interesting one because we'd be doing it with a, a name. A lot of people in our space would know. And I think people would really be shocked by it. It was just an idea that Chris had out of the blue. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. We got to get someone to write it. So I reached out to a friend and he's like, well, I'll do 10 pages, see what we think. And we're, so we're actually already working on the, the next one, but all the efforts going into the police documentary now. So that's awesome. Do you want to give us a, like, what's the subject on? Can you give us a sneak peek? It'll, it'll be a certain segment of gun control. Let's put it that way. Interesting. I like it. All right. About those cucky NRA faggots or. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they, they're going to get brought up. I'm sure. (laughs) Damn fuds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool, man. Um, you did a podcast with a buddy of mine, uh, Craig Hargis, and I listened to it and I loved it. And uh, we had been trying to cover this a little bit was uh, Christian nationalism and Christian Zionism. And I wanted to I heard you guys touch on it just lightly with the dispensationalism and, and stuff. And uh, I wanted to talk to you more about that. I was super curious about it. Um I, I think most of my listeners know my background that I grew up pretty fucking conservative and uh, pretty like right wingy, definitely hardcore fucking Christian Zionist, like worship fucking Israel, lick ben- Benjamin Netanyahu's balls, kind of like we got to pray to him, too, because he's, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, then I went 
myself, I went hard fucking left because I was like, fuck you. And I thought I, I went atheist. I went fucking hard. Like, uh, I thought I was a socialist and a Bernie bro. And I fucking went, went off the fucking rails. And then culture actually brought me back in, uh, just watching the rotten decay of the left and what they were doing. And like, the just like the destruction of the family kind of thing. And, and all these different things. So that actually brought me back to church. But um, I, I'm curious about your journey, too. Uh, you are not Christian anymore, right? But you uh, you were? I mean, I guess <sighs> when people say, am I still a Christian? You know, I, I always say that there is still like faith the size of a mustard seed there. So, okay. you know, I feel I, that. yeah, but I didn't become a Christian until I was an adult. And because of who I am and my personality, I had to dive in deep. It's like when I be, first became a libertarianism, it's like uh, I first became a libertarian. Where's all the books I can read about this? So I like immediately jumped in when I became a Christian. I was like, all right, I want to find out the history of the Bible, where the Bible came from. I want to talk about, I want to find out about Christian history and everything like that. So I just started reading and reading and reading. And thankfully the church that I first church I went to, um, wasn't a Christian Zionist church. They touched on it. It may have, I think they were a little more amillennial. And then I ended up getting really into reform theology, like pretty quick, like within three or four months. So I'm like, okay, where's there, where's there a reformed church around here? And I didn't want to go to Presbyterian church because I'd been a Presbyterian church before and I just didn't, uh, and it was, wasn't for me. So I found a Reformed Baptist church, and I know a lot of people think that that's a contradiction in terms, but okay. Um, and I went there and I just started studying, and the teacher, um, the, the pastor, I called him a teacher, was, he graduated seminary, and um, he actually got his, uh, he actually got his, de- his degree in theology, from his undergrad at Harvard, and then got mm-hmm. his got his doctorate at um at Knox in Fort Lauderdale. So he was well steeped in it, steeped in it. He had been brought up Presbyterian. And so I mean he just started feeding me books and I started reading like John Calvin and John Gill and I mean I just went in hard and thing was they're not you know dispensationalism is 200 years old, less than 200 years old at this point. So it's like I'm reading stuff that's like three or 400 years old. And then he's like, well, there's this thing called dispensationalism and um, you've heard of the rapture, right? I'm like, yeah, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. And he started explaining it to me and I'm like, I'm not seeing anybody, any of the reformers, the Protestant reformers. Uh, And then I read, I, I would start reading Augustine and the church fathers. I'm like, none of them are mentioning this at all. So how did this happen? And he explained it, you know, around the 1820s that there was this, that's when people started putting this together and people started reading the, reading the Bible with the newspaper. And it just seemed like in the 1800s, there was a lot of um, like the Jehovah's witnesses came into, I mean, you had all these, all these like sects of Christianity and some that were obviously not Christianity, um, Orthodox Christianity, um, and when I say Orthodox, I'm using it. I'm not using it as to talk about Orthodox Christianity, like Russian Orthodox or anything like that. I'm talking, using Orthodox in uh, the simple sense um, that just 
they hadn't taught this. They had, and I'm like, well, how did this come about and everything? We started looking at it and it was like, how come nobody in 1800 years, nobody had thought to systematize eschatology like this? And he's like, I don't know. You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to us either. So I started looking into it and then I saw like, um, I remember this. Okay. So you're, you're probably not old enough to remember this. Do you remember when the left behind series came out? Oh, I remember that shit. You remember that? I okay. own the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. So I remember when the books came out. I remember when the first book came out and a buddy of mine's like, dude, this is amazing. You got to read this and everything. And I still hadn't really dove into dispensationalism. And like almost immediately within the first chapter, they're talking about Israel and somebody has figured out a way to terraform the desert. So Israel has become the richest um you know, the richest country on the planet, which is hilarious when you think about that. Um, and then they rebuild the temple and they start sacrificing again. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, this is like the most insane thing I've ever heard. And then I'm, then I started, I picked up like the Schofield Bible and I picked up a book. I can't remember. It must've been like a Hagee book or something like that. And it started talking about, yeah, how this had to happen. Loves Hagee. Oh my God. The guy is, he, he's a monster. <laughs> He's a monster. He's one of the biggest, biggest pro-war, pro-war animals ever to ever to live, and you know. So I started looking at this stuff, and I'm like, I started putting two and two together because I grew up with you. You didn't praise Israel in my house, but you didn't talk bad about it, and it was like, okay, so why is this happening? And and I'm just like, and then I put it together, and I'm like, oh, Israel has to like basically to destroy all of its enemies especially the especially the the muslims that on the land that they stole from and they have to rebuild the temple or jesus won't come back and that's what these people yep. believe and that's what uh-huh. i that's that's when i put it together that oh israel can do anything they can commit genocide against anyone and it'll be excused because that's the only way jesus is coming back and i'm like <laughs> where in where did you get that? I'm thinking Jesus is coming immediately. The first thing I, Jesus is coming back. And the first thing he's going to do is destroy Israel it's like, <laughs> because they're maniac murderers, psychopaths. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I started reading some books on debunking it. I can't remember the names of it and everything. And, um, but I just kept reading stuff that was four or 500 years old. So it was like, if that's not in here and they're interpreting the scripture a different way. Um, and then you had, and then you have all those scripture about how you deal with a false prophet. And then I look at people like Hal Lindsey, who like predicted when Jesus was coming back. And all these people who had like predicted the year it was going to happen and it failed. And I'm like, oh, so these guys should be stoned because they (laughs) like they promised this. Oh, this is you buy this book because this is going to tell you when Jesus is coming back. Then you realize it's just a grift. And and it's like, what the heck is going on here? And you're you have to wonder when you look at when the Zionist movement started. And when dispensationalism started, we're basically right around the same time. And you have to wonder if the Zionists in the 1800s did not create dispensationalism. 
And it's and hey, I mean, I know that a lot of people that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but the timing is really, really interesting because when you start reading Herzl and you start reading, you know, the original Zionists, look when they're look when all these things started. Look at when all their teaching started, and when you start seeing the systematizing of dispensationalism, look around the dates that it started. I'm not saying that it's true. I'm just saying that's a big coinkydink. <laughs> Hundred percent agreed, man. Yeah, I've we've actually talked about this on this show for a little bit because we we had a couple people on to come and talk to us about this, and um, I mean, what it really comes down to is like these Christian Zionists are the biggest collapsitarians on like they want to fucking collapse, <laughs> they want to end the goddamn world so yeah. we can bring Jesus back. It's like they want uh, <laughs> they they're trying to bring back Armageddon. Well, and think or, think about how arrogant a pre-trib rapture is oh only the chosen the chosen people won't have to go through that we're going to be in heaven with jesus watching all this it's just like it's complete ego and arrogance i mean oh it's just really ugly i mean where did jesus ever the whole bible is like you're if you're god's people you're going to suffer Yep. When did he ever rescue them from suffering? It's like, I mean, Jesus performed some miracles and healed some lepers who were obviously suffering and healed people who were lame. And yeah, sure. I mean, that was him just proving who he was. But it was he's he didn't come to set them free. He didn't come to set them free from physical pain. He came to set them free from spiritual bondage. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, come on. And then they read Revelation and it's like, I mean, I've read Revelation, I don't know how many times, uh, countless, endless. And it's, a, I, I mean, the, the parts that they have to take literal and the parts that they have to spiritualize, it's really <laughs> funny. It's like, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, and there are parts when you read the whole Bible, there are parts I think you have to be taken literal and there are parts that have to be spiritualized. And, but to look at this thing and say, you know, especially when he says no one's going to know the hour of the day and you think that you can read this and figure out when the hour of the day is. Well, we don't even know where that book came from. The, the history of apocalyptic literature is from the Orient. So we're OK. So how did they learn about apocalyptic apocalyptic writings? And then second, John was on Potmos when he's writing this allegedly. How the hell? How did that book get out of there? How did those writings leave Potmos? I mean, it. From what I understand, he was in prison, right? Does it say anything about him? I, I don't know of – maybe I need to re, uh, research this further, but I don't know of people coming to visit him or anything like people were visiting Paul when he was in jail. So it's like – I mean, there's just yeah. weird – it's just weird stuff, you know? It's like – I mean, one of the things that I guess the reason why – one of the main reasons – I talked to – do you know who David Gornowski is? Uh No. Uh, you definitely have to check into David. He's he's amazing. Okay. He he um I'll send you an episode that you'll that'll blow your mind. Um you know, he and I were talking one day and he's like, Well, why aren't why why aren't you a Christian anymore? And I said, Well, because I just don't believe the Bible is inerrant. I said, I've done too much study and I just don't believe in inerrancy anymore. I believe, you know, <laughs> The Orthodox Bible has what twelve extra books. The Catholic Bible has four or five extra books. I'm like, how do we know which ones? How do we know which ones are supposed to be in there? How do we know which ones are supposed to be inspired? And he's like, he's like, my faith grew when I 
like gave up on inerrancy. And I'm like, I can see that. I can understand that. I, I, I actually, I can put that together in my brain. Um, but yeah, it was when I started, I'm looking at certain books and you look at Jude and Jude is quoting, um, what Enoch. And it's like, wh- yeah. why? It's like, so the, so if Jude is quoting Enoch, then what that one verse from Enoch is actually God inspired, but the rest of it isn't. It's like, well, I, I, there's just like way too many questions. And then you start asking questions like that in church and especially like a reformed church. You're going to get some. I mean, I was basically asked to leave. <laughs> like, Can you get the hell out of here? <laughs> go be a, go be an apostate somewhere else. <laughs> I got pretty lucky, man. When I came back, I was actually, my mom was trying to get me to come back to church. She kept bugging me about it. And uh, she brought me to this church and I was waiting for the pastor to say something to offend me. You know, just fucking ready. And he didn't. And we sat there and we actually started talking. And I started talking to him about politics, actually. I started talking to him about, you know, like, at this point, I was probably like a TPUSA kind of fucking douchebag, <laughs> like minarchist, conservatarian type. Socialism and communism can never work. We have to really be worried about China. I thought you said yeah. socialism and communism can't work. <laughs> Back to blue. Yeah. I had a I had one on Twitter the other day that I just came up with on the spot, and it was um, police. Police enforce Democrat made lo- past laws, and that's why conservatives say back the blue. <laughs> <laughs> Had some double entendre yeah. there, and it was it, it, someone was like, "Oh, oh, damn, that's that's pretty good." And I'm like, "Oh, I just came up with that. Came up with that just from looking at your tweet and everything." But yeah, I mean, it's like I, I love when cops are like, well, you know, just the laws and everything. And I'm like, "Oh, are you a Republican? I'm a Republican." Like every, all your lawmakers are Democrats. Why are you enforcing Democrat made laws? Well, just if you ever get in trouble, call a crackhead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what are you supposed to say? I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I, That's I'm fucking stupid. Arguing with people is, I used to really get off with arguing with people on Twitter. And now it's like, I really choose my battles. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just don't have time to waste anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm, too, I'm so goddamn busy, dude. Uh, I saw, actually, I was reading my fucking local paper, the Oregonian out here today, and our stupid, shitty fucking mayor out here in Portland was, uh, he was talking about how we're out of fucking police, and uh, he's trying to vaccinate everybody, right? So police are fucking quitting in droves. And then he let, anyways, long story short, he's trying to rehire a bunch of the cops that they... Uh, that quit over like this, the last 2020, you know, all the black yeah, lives matter shit. Yeah. And he's like, and he's asking for extra funding to, to bring the police back. And now everyone's fucking losing it. The, Cause this was the defund the police capital. And now everyone's like refund the police question mark. And like, it's just goofy goddamn bullshit out here, dude. It's funny that you you're in Portland because um, the, the name of the episode I'm dropping on Monday that, is with um, Aaron and Carr from Timeline Earth is something like um, Aaron asked the question during the episode, would you rather live in 1930s Germany or 2035 Portland? 
<laughs> shit. <laughs> like that. I mean, there was one. there was hookers and coke and shit in Germany, right? So I mean, have at least had a little bit of fun. Well, you know, I'm. I mean, who knows what twenty? I, I think the whole purpose of that question is the fact that. I mean, it, where the fuck's the it woke, going? The woke left is—they're really, especially with the whole COVID regime, um, they're really no different than the Nazis. And consider considering how much control they want over your life and what they're—I mean—they're basically demonizing a whole group of people. They're just not doing it on an ethnicity, but kind of are considering that Spanish people, you know, Hispanics and Blacks are the ones who are like the least the most hesitant yeah. the most vaccine hesitant so it's um yeah i mean i i just can't stand these people anymore man i i want as far away from them as possible i mean i think they're a danger to everything See, portland can get away with it because there is no black people here yeah there's there's like a hundred of them but like we're in this might as well be like a white supremacy capital i mean <laughs> there's like it's we're like 98 percent fucking white out here and I mean, they're all fucking racist. They just don't know it. Um, it's it's wild, you know. And I think one of the questions I asked was, um, so by twenty thirty five, who will have gentrified Portland of the you know upper middle class white trash that has destroyed it? You know, so who's coming in to gentrify and save Portland? You know, so it's like, who the hell? That's a good question. What's Portland going to look like in 2035? God, if anyone knows. <laughs> it's all going to be a fucking shanty town, dude. I'm telling you, it's so much worse. Like I was driving through there. Well, I was driving through there yesterday and we were just like, I just recently moved to like a little fucking rural town, like out here about an hour out of Portland, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, But we're driving through Portland, dude, and it's so much worse than it was two years ago. There is like literal, you cannot walk anywhere without homeless people's shit, without homeless people's like garbage, everything inside. Like it's fucking absolutely insane. It's fucking crazy. They've completely given the city up. And like, let's say that you own a fucking house and you have an RV in the back and you want to let your mom live there. That's illegal. But some hobo can fucking set up camp in your yard and you can't kick him out. Yeah, that's the kind of fucking governance that we have out here. It's fucking nuts, dude. I'm when you look at like um, we were talking about. The other night, I can't remember who I was talking to about San Francisco and how expensive it is to live there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this was with Car and Aaron. Um, and you just, but you're surrounded by human shit. So it's like, you know, you're paying a million dollars if you're buying a little, you know, studio apartment or something, condo that's a size, you know, 400 square feet, it's a million dollars, but you're going to get hepatitis C just walking down the street. I mean, I, dude, the world is, I mean, it's, it's nuts, man. I mean, when you look at the West coast and you know, then you go up to like Seattle where, I mean, there's still 10 cities in Seattle and stuff like that. And you have, you have it in Portland, you have it in San Francisco, Los Angeles. I mean, dude, what the, I mean, how, what do you do about this? I mean, how do the history books write this? I mean, if you write this as it actually is, like, say you tried to write a, a book on the history of the last 18 months. Say I could knock it out in two weeks. 
and self-publish it within a month. I'm going to be called the white supremacist because my take is going to be people were burning down cities like we were in last year. People were burning down cities like we were in friggin' a banana republic. I mean, we're basically right now a banana republic with air conditioning and, you know, and access, still have access to food (laughs) for now. now. Um, (laughs) So what, how do you, I don't think people understand what the last 18 months is because anyone looking from the outside who isn't, um, hasn't been poisoned by progressivism hasn't been poisoned by that woke progressive leftism of the last century. Um, a person who hasn't had to suffer that is going to look and be like, wow, that country's on its last legs. They're going to fall any time now. Yet we look at it and we won't, we're not even talking about the fact that like Kenosha, Wisconsin was on fire last year. Like the city was on fire, like blocks were on fire. Yeah. And the the corporate media wouldn't cover it. They called it, you know, they, they called it, um, I can't remember what the CNN Chiron said, but it was just something like, um, you know, localized or uh, it was, they downplayed everything. I mean, what was it? 25, at least 25 to 30 people were murdered in the streets last year during the innocent people. I'm not talking about people who were out there. I'm talking about like store owners, people like that were murdered in the streets and, you still have a city like Portland that that is like has the a riots never stopped. Yeah, man. the riots <laughs> where there are riots still going on, and you're like, you're supposed we're supposed to believe that this can go on and like last forever is going to last for. I mean, I don't know where we go except for secession to break up and. Um, you know, to radically decentralize government power and bring it down to the local level or something like that. Because, I mean, <laughs> it's what I'd like to see happen. I just a conspiracy theorist in me tells me. So I got a little bit of that going on where I think like they're trying to push us. They're pushing us harder and harder and harder. And they're waiting for us to fucking snap because like, I'm looking at things like I I actually had Aaron on a while ago and we were talking and he was saying, he was like saying, he's like, I'm a young fucking dude. He goes like, if I lose my fucking job, like what I lose my house. I like, what the fuck do I have left? Mm -hmm. What, what am I, what do I have to lose at that point? And I'm like, how many of these like young white autistic fucking libertarian males, have too many guns and aren't getting pussy. And if they fucking don't get the jab and they fucking lose their job, what are they going to fucking do, dude? Like they're trying to push it. They're trying to make a snap. And like, and so I see like this is whole secession thing is like, I think they want us to fucking try something like that or they want lone nuts to fucking, you know, do some fucking wacky shit so they can like, press harder, you know, because you can see how like they've turned the eye of of Sauron, you know, like they were focused on the Middle East and that kind of terrorism and now it's being pointed back at us. We're the fucking terrorists now. You know, like, and I'm worried that that's exactly what they fucking want us to do. You know, that problem reaction solution kind of thing. Yeah, I don't don't know. Michel Foucault had that theory that foreign policy would come home 
that, that a country's foreign yeah. policy would come home and be um, imposed upon its citizens. And I think we're seeing that now. And unfortunately, it's um, psychopaths who entertain people who, I mean, call black people Nazis and white supremacists and, you know, call Jewish people, you know, call Jewish people Nazis. I mean, they don't bat a fucking eye. No, when you so. point out the contradiction to them, they don't care. I mean, they, that, that's why the whole thing of like, um, boomers and you even see like, um, you know, conservatives and you even see some libertarians do it. When I was on Tim pool, they did this. They were like, um, Oh, can you, um, when Larry elder got attacked by that woman in, in the gorilla mask, it's like, Oh, can you imagine yeah. if the roles were reversed? It, it, that is no, they don't care. They don't care. You're not winning yeah. anybody over with that argument anymore. And they just don't care. And, that is like the conservative playbook now is to try to point out or, or another one of my, you know, point out their seeming contradictions, which are pure contradictions, or, you know, the democratic party is the party of racism and slavery, right? No one cares. That's not convincing anyone. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't matter anymore. They don't care. And the reason they don't care is because they control the narrative. And the yeah. only way that that this is going to get turned around is something radically bad happens. And I'm talking about economic collapse. I'm talking about a real economic collapse. Um, yeah. I, I put out a tweet today. I said that, you know, things are not going to change until people are hungry. And then I'm not saying they're going to change for the better. But yeah, at least at first they're not. I mean, I saw, dude, do you remember when? Toilet paper was scarce. Yeah, that was not People long were ago. Freaking the fuck out! Like there is still food, but toilet paper was scarce. I was at like goddamn Costco, dude, and this was like during the height of the lockdowns, right? And you had to wear your fucking mask, and like it felt like we were in goddamn Nazi Germany. It was fucking bizarre. They had like bullhorns and were yelling at us, and they had lists of things that they were out of. They're like, don't even ask for that. There are limits for things. You can have one of this, you know, and like, it's like, where, where the fuck are we? It's not even Nazi like, Germany. And, that's more like Soviet Russia. Uh huh. And I was like, shit isn't even that bad yet. Just wait. What's it going to fucking be like, dude? We're going to be shooting each other in the fucking parking lot over. That guy got the last thing of toilet paper. Yeah. It's, um, I'm just floored by the fact that so many, um, so many people bought into this and everything. And I don't know where it goes. You know, I can make a ton of predictions about where, where everything goes, but right now it just seems, it seems bad. There's some hope out there. I think a lot of people are waking up to this vaccine thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks and I was going to cancel my trip to go to New York just to not, you know, just be like, screw that. I don't want to deal with it, but no, I want to go. There's a couple people I want to see there. So I'm not going to allow their friggin' regime to do, to stop me from doing that. But, you know, I'm expecting to, I was in New York last September. So, oh my God. Yeah, it was almost a year ago. I was in New York and walked around without a mask on. 
um, restaurants were still serving people on the street and everything. Uh, a lot of things were closed down. Times Square was like friggin' I am legend. It was empty. And, but now, I mean, it wasn't even as bad a year ago as it is now. And now it's like, oh, you have to have a vaccine passport to go in here to do this, to do that and everything. And I'm basically counting on the fact that so many of these businesses lost so much money over the years that they're just going to be like, screw it. You don't have to produce any of this to, to come in here. Yeah. So what do you think that's all about, man? I, I'm thinking about, okay, so right now. People cannot find work. I mean, there's work. People can't find workers. Like, especially in my line of business, you can't fucking find anyone. You're just fucked. You cannot find somebody to fill in any kind of jobs. Now they're trying to get to the point where they're going to fucking fire people that are, like, actually experienced, that actually can work. What do you think What do you think their end goal is, man? It's like they're attempting to crash the economy. Well, they're fucking trying. Well, the thing I have to ask is why can't people find work? Apparently, why can't they? Why can't companies find workers? Um, I, not that many people left the United States. Um, I I don't know. I think that the only one of the only possible things I can think of is that people got so used to being out of work that they're just staying out of work. Or they figured out another way to make money on the side. They listened to me a year ago. They, you know, they, they listened to what I was spewing a year ago, and they're making money on the side now. Um, I mean, I don't know that. That puzzles me. That puzzles me. And um, if people are really like out of work, like they're like not working anymore, and I mean, I just don't know. I, I, I'm really, I'm floored. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on with well, that. Let me in on the secret, because fuck. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't know how they're. I'll quit my job and yeah. sit on my ass if I can get away with it. I don't know yeah. how they're doing it. Especially, <laughs> I think they cut off all the unemployment, right? Um, I think they've cut off mo- cut off most of it, and and what was like the whole housing? You don't have to pay rent kind of yeah, shit. I think the moratorium, did they end up stopping that? I think the moratorium was lifted. Um, so it's yeah. like, you had to wonder, did people get used to having a one income family? I mean, did they like cut back that much? Possibly some people, if they're really smart. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of hard for me to figure all this out. I don't, I've been concentrating well, on what's going on in other like, countries. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on there, but I, I was just thinking like, I think it was like in San Diego or something They're They're going to fire all the firemen. It's like, they're going to lose 40% of their firemen and they're already like strapped. Like they already are like, I'm like, how are they going to keep this up? I, I, you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't think they're going to be able to enforce it. I think if we just hang on for a while, they're going to have to back down a little or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, but I, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to explain what's going on right now as far as that goes. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe I'll check in on David Stockman and see if he has anything on that because he, he he's yeah. usually the first one to like figure that kind of stuff out. But no, I, I just don't know. It's, it's weird, man. Let's talk about other countries, man. You know, you beat me to it with, uh, you had a tweet about Afghanistan and you fucking beat me to it. Um, because I was like talking to my coworker. I was like, 
should I really feel bad that like all these people are getting fucking ganked when I was like, I was like, they were collaborators with a foreign occupier. You know what I mean? I was like, who gives a shit? I mean, I kind of, I mean, half of me is like, you know, but well, it's uh, any human life being lost, but I was like, well, I thought to myself, okay, so I, I think this government, this government's a criminal organization. I'd rather live in a mafia neighborhood under mafia under mafia rules than um, live under this government. And if somebody invaded to overthrow this government, what would I do? Would I become a collaborator? Well, no, because I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to go with the devil. I know at least I know this government, at least I know what they're all about. I may not know that foreign government or anything about them. And plus to me, a country, a nation is really my neighbors. It's, it's my fellow, my fellow man. It's really not the government. So I'm not going to turn my back on them and <clears throat> work against their interests. So I would, I don't know that I would take up arms against the invaders, but I definitely wouldn't be a, um, wouldn't collaborate with them. So I have to wonder, I mean, I know Afghanistan's a different, a, a different story and I know the Taliban is terrible and everything. I mean, I, of course I don't know these things. All I know is the propaganda that I hear on the news and from, uh-huh. you know, from people. So, um, yeah, I'm, if they turned on their fellow countrymen in their country to, collaborate with a criminal organization that I'm very familiar with, why should I trust them coming here? I mean, why should I, how do I know that they'll be, um, you know, I know my neighbors here would not turn their back on me. I I don't suspect any of them is an enemy of the state. They could be, that'd be great considering how old a lot of them are. Um, (laughs) It'd be amazing to see that, but I'm, I just have to wonder about the person who turns their back on, um, on their own government and, um, on their own people and collaborates with a foreign invader. And do, am I supposed to, am I supposed to trust them living next door to me? I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I don't think I have to have a degree in political science or even a degree in in psychology or sociology, but it seems like these, they've done it once. And do it again. Yep. Yep. I took a lot of crap for that one. I took a lot of crap for that tweet. (laughs) Oh, man. I was just pissed that you beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a fucking brilliant tweet, dude. Oh, thanks. God damn, man. I think the Afghanistan talks kind of been had done, but like, what do you, what do you think's going on over there? I mean, you've talked to Scott Horton, so I mean, he knows more than anybody else, but. Well, I think the the big question is why did they leave all that weaponry to them? And a lot of people are, yeah. you know, are like, well, it's because China's coming in and they're going to, China's not going to invade Afghanistan. China's going to come in with, with suitcases if they come in at all. Okay. They're not coming in with armored tank divisions. Um, I, they struck some kind of deal with Afghanistan where Afghanistan is going to be some kind of defensive force for the United States over there, which is probably a really stupid thing to do considering every time they do that, they end up 
becoming an enemy again. I mean, come on, look at yeah. or at least declaring them an enemy. You know, it's like um, everybody talks about how through the eighties and everything, the United States backed Iraq against Iran in the Iraq Iran war while they're selling Iran missiles and things. And so it's like, they were on the both sides of that, like good Americans, they were supporting both sides and, um, you know, like good classic, like, you know, Prescott Bush kind of stuff and the Rockefellers, uh, supporting both sides of every war. Um, but I, I don't know, you you have to ask yourself, I mean, it, it's some kind of play. It's some kind of long play to, to yeah. keep them armed. I don't know that they have like technicians to um, fix those helicopters when they when they break or yeah, things like that. You know, so that part is fascinating. Someone was trying to say that like with the amount of weapons they have, this made them the third largest fucking military force in the world. Well, yeah, that was, like that's on China money. and America. Yeah, that's on money wise. Cause apparently it's like $80 billion worth of weapons and $80 yeah. billion worth of, um, worth of spending. Like say that was a year's worth of military spending. That would make them like the third in the world or something like that. Gotcha. But then they also don't know how to use it. And half of it's broken. Like, I mean, I find it funny. America was talking about how we were trying to leave the the government in good standing and we were trying to hook them up and we were leaving this for the Afghani government. And as soon as we leave and the Taliban takes it, we also go like, oh, don't worry. All that shit's broken anyways. So, like, were we trying to leave that fucking government in good hands? Like, who knows? And then we leave during summer, during the height of their war season and shit. And yeah, I mean, anything. I don't know. Yeah, so there's definitely specul- some shit going on. Yeah, it's all speculation at this point. No one really. Knows. I mean, there's somebody who knows, but they're not going to say. So, I don't expect to anything that coming out of Afghanistan to me at this point is just going to be propaganda coming from the. St- from the um, from the regime trying to get us back in there, so I don't. I'm not going to believe anything I see. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm at right now too with a lot of shit. Like even with China and shit, and like I imagine that they are imprisoning Uyghurs and shit like that. I imagine that there are actual slaves and shit. But how much of that? Like every time I hear about like the worst atrocities coming on in China or the worst atrocities going on in Afghanistan, they're always coming from like a right wing source. Like and they a, always come from the same. Yeah. They're always coming from the same source. It's um, I can't remember the name of that German journalist. And then there's two organizations out of New York that are like former Chinese. I can't remember their names either. Patrick McFarlane at the Libertarian Institute uh, did a documentary on China war hawking and you know like he he addressed what we know about the uyghurs and um like organ harvesting it's like they're talking about like industrial like level organ harvesting it's like do you understand exactly what that would entail and how they would never be able how they could never pull that off how film of that would be making it out everywhere if they were doing that i mean it's just ridiculous um not saying it didn't happen but to they're saying this happens on such a wide scale and everything it's like oh, come yeah. on um slavery i mean i have a friend that's lived in beijing for 25 years he doesn't know anything about this stuff when i ask him about this stuff he's just like 
it's just it's Western propaganda to him. He says it's not a perfect country. He goes, he loves living there, and you know that's why he's been there for twenty five years. Um, and I, I, I know um, somebody who helped me with my website recently. He's a young guy who moved to China. He lives there, and he's not coming back. He likes it there and everything. So. I think it, you know, it's such a huge country. It could be certain sections that are suffering and um, where they can do things. But I mean, it's, how do we know, really, unless you've been there? Um, I know they have they definitely have an upper class. They definitely they definitely have an upper class and they definitely have a lower class. But so do we. It's true. I mean, I, I'm trying to question all of that shit too, because like, I'm looking at, do you remember when they were like locking people up in their fucking houses, supposedly and welding the doors shut and crazy shit like that. And they had like stormtroopers like blasting fucking smoke through the streets and Dude, doing all they kinds had of videos shit. of people and, falling over dead in the street. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Dude, are those real? Wild. Are those real? That's what I'm wondering. Because if whatever that was, we never experienced that. Yeah, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like they had stacks of bodies in like a hospital hallway. Do you remember that? They were just loading up and just throwing piles of bodies. Like I was like, what the fuck is that? Because that looked scary. And I think that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to scare the fuck out of us. Like they had me nervous. Like the first like the first few months, like I was fucking masking. I was wearing gloves and shit going into a store like I was. I didn't know what the fuck this was, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I was so goddamn normie at the beginning of this. This is, like, radicalized the fuck out of me. I mean, I was... I, I never wore a mask um, on purpose, like, of my own volition. If I ever wore a mask, it was because I was forced to. But, you know, at the beginning, I did wash my hands... Um, a lot more often than I did than I would normally. But I mean, I stopped doing that by the first second week in April. I mean, of, of 2020. I mean, I was just done with it. I was over it because by this, by the third week in March, I figured out exactly what they were doing. I figured I knew that they were going to use this to go. They were going to use this to go ty- tyrannical. I just didn't realize. I See, didn't think it was going to be. I didn't know months. if it was both. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was worried. I was like, because my wife was pregnant and shit. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck we're doing, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I going to bring this home to her? You know, well, like, because I never, because they'll, they will use real things sometimes. And, but they'll just, they'll take it as an opportunity to fucking, you know, to take the whole, the whole fucking kitchen sink too. Well, thank God it wasn't something real. Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, they, they botched yeah. this whole thing and people can say they botched it on purpose. I just think that they're it's government trying to solve a problem that the market should solve. And you know, it's always going to fail. It's going to fail miserably. And plus I think they wanted to, wanted to extend it out because they saw that people immediately how they responded to it. And they were just good little obedient serfs. And it's like, Oh, Oh, okay, cool. So, you know, they're, they're going to do, They'll do this. Well, let's see what let's see what happened if we tell them this. Yeah, wear two masks. Oh, oh, leave your groceries outside. You know, because it might be on your grocery. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, for for a coronavirus. I mean, I knew what a coronavirus was before this all happened. I mean, I knew it was the flu. Um, 
Yeah, I mean the, I, I and I'm I, somebody who who's had it in the last few months. I mean, I'm one hundred percent. You're not going to convince me this wasn't born in a lab. It was just too. I've never had a flu like this before in my life. I've had the flu twice before. I've had a coronavirus before, and I've never had a flu like this in my life. I mean, it was just too. It was like the. Like it was designed to give certain symptoms. It was designed that you were going to get this symptom, you were going to get this symptom and everything. And then, you know, I start comparing it with other people who got it. And some of us had the exact same symptoms at the exact same times in the illness and or had the exact same symptoms. It just lasted a shorter time for some of us and everything. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, I'm just, it seems lab born to me. I mean, it's especially the lung thing, um, the the um the brain fog the lethargy um the fever and all these things are yeah. spread out over over a certain amount of days and everything I, I don't know it just doesn't seem like something that um and then losing taste and smell which i still which th- which two months later i still can't smell certain things and i still can't taste certain things that's wild yeah i mean and somebody tried wild. to tell me somebody tried to tell me Oh, well, maybe you just didn't notice before that when you had the flu that, you know, you um, that you couldn't taste or smell. No, no I, I knew that I couldn't taste or smell anything back then, except it was like it lasted a day because my nose was stuffed. It didn't last yeah. two months. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I would have noticed that I would have noticed that I couldn't smell dog shit or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> So why do you think they're trying so goddamn hard to get these jabs in people's arms? This has been the wildest thing, dude. The fucking propaganda is insane. They Like in Vegas, they were offering people like lap dances and like fucking limousine rides and shit. I was like, what the fuck is going on? There's lotteries. You can get uh, joints for jabs up in Washington. You can get like I get go get go get some fucking free beer right now. If I let them stick a fucking jab in me, man, I don't, it's hard to tell. I mean, I mean, you can go all the way crazy conspiracy and you know, there's some people who are like, Oh, all these people, everyone who got the jab is going to be dead in three years. And then I've heard people say they want to get rid of all the, Trumpers and right wingers and libertarians. So the jab is actually going to protect these people from something that's going to come later. Yeah, you know, I've heard like all yeah. these all these crazy things, yeah. and it's like, well, why would you get rid of all the productive people? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense. All the people who actually know how to do things. Um, I I honestly. At this point, I mean, I think money. It's not all money, but money is definitely in it. Um, they're basically looting. They're looting yeah. everything. Money is part of it. It's definitely got to be part of it, right? But like, it feels so fucking weird. Like, I I don't know this for a fact, but you know, I was talking to my my hippie conspiracy friends actually last night, and they're, I mean, for sure, Congress was not mandated to get this, right? Uh, they're like police officers aren't mandated to get this, apparently. Um, but like, also, uh the the fucking pharmaceutical 
all the pharmaceutical companies, they don't have to get it either. Mm-hmm. And then someone was saying that, and, and this I can't confirm or deny, right? But they were saying that all of uh, like Bill Gates, all of those guys, they don't vax their kids. They don't touch their kids with this shit. I've heard that. None of them have it. Yeah. And I don't know, man. And how many people are just getting fucking sailing? I don't know. You know, it, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could just be one of those things where, you know, I, the word that has, that has really come to make me insane is variant. And who knows? I mean, everybody thought like everything the World Economic Forum was talking about doing before a year ago. You know, before June of last year, um, you know, seemed like conspiracy theories, seemed like wishful thinking on their part. And now it seems like that they can actually get this stuff done. You know, like, um, you know, if their plan for 2030 is you will own nothing and like it, you know, and you'll love it. Well, there looks like they're stripping people of wealth. I mean, they'll, of course, they'll be an elite. They'll always be an elite. And, you know, the way maybe the way they do this is they saw how people reacted to this, how scared people are of this, how they rationalize their fear of dying by saying, oh, I'm getting this to protect other people. And that's why you should do it and everything. And it just seems to me that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this where, where it all goes. Um, it could be just so that you are getting a population under control and you're brainwashing a certain amount of that population, not in, only into being scared of being sick and wanting all of these pharmaceuticals, but you're militarizing them against the people who don't. And yeah, so... I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot that could be happening there, but I don't discount the fact that the World Economic Forum came out immediately and said, "Well, if people lock themselves down for for a virus, they'll lock themselves down for climate change." You know, and then 100%. I've thought that I've also thought that ever since um, you know President George W. Bush, who's probably probably responsible for the death of more human beings than any other president in our history comes out and says, well, you know, global war on terror, that was fine, but now we got to worry about terror at home. And who knows, <laughs> scare people, you could scare a certain segment of the people into staying home because they think their neighbor is going to blow them up. You know, I mean, it seems to me it's all about fear. They saw that their people are scared little babies. And it's like, oh, this is how we got them. This is how we get what we want. And yep. it just seems that that's the way it is, I mean, you saw at the Met Gala in the last week, all these celebrities were showing up. If they were wearing a mask, they immediately took it off or they showed up maskless and all the help was wearing masks. I mean, that's you're talking about, you know, separate, you know, a different class of people, you know, making it making it so that there's a caste system. I mean, there's always been a caste system in the United States, but I mean, now it's just like, just let's just make it obvious, you know. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and then I all the fun little boomers talking about AOC and her tax to rich dress. Yeah. Yeah, what was who was it who said uh I forget who was who said that um 
it says tax the rich, but it never says like feed the poor. They never say, you know, feed the poor. Or what about the poor? It's always, they're only concentrating on the rich and they don't care about anyone else. That's not a, that's only a priority when they're in election season. Yeah. And they quickly forget about those people. Always have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they're fucking cunts. <laughs> oh, I'm, I can't stand these people, man. And, you know, is and then you wonder, okay, but who's pulling their strings? I mean, they're not, these people aren't in charge. I mean, AOC is not yeah. in charge. She has handlers and she has, their handlers have handlers. And then, you know, it's like the newspapers. I mean, 100% the newspapers, uh, I agree with Curtis Yarvin, the newspapers are what creates culture. They, they're basically, they push the government into doing what the government does. But the, government, but the, the newspapers are owned by somebody. I mean, the um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the family that's owned the Washington, uh, the New York Times for what six generations now, but I would venture to say that probably the family that owns the New York Times has more power than the president of the United States. Easily, dude. Yeah. Especially this one. Yeah. Especially this one. Oh, everyone. I mean, definitely, definitely more yeah. power than Trump. Yeah. I mean, look what they did! Look yeah. what they did to Trump. Trump got into office, and it was immediately, "Oh my God, he, he, he's a Russian agent," and they ran with it. That was pretty depressing. I mean, not that Donald Trump was anything but a fucking buffoon, but like, you can't if you if they don't want you to, you're not going to be able to do shit. And that's what they've proven. And they can demonize you and they can demonize your constituency and they can just make you all out to be the worst fucks in the world. And then they can basically just like railroad you the entire time and you'll never get anything done. So even if we like if we got Dave Smith in there, which is not going to happen, but if we got Dave Smith in there, we're not going to be able to do shit because you haven't. Because you haven't changed the culture. You haven't the yeah. progressives and, and leftists, hardcore leftists, have spent a century taking over the universities and taking over the um taking over the media. And now they so, and now they have big tech. So unless how do we change the culture? Is this part of the so this is the post libertarian talk, right? Which way libertarian man? Yeah. You know, you have the Mises Caucus guys, you have the agorists over there, you've got the autistic libertarians in the corner, and then you have the post libertarians, and we're all just trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I honestly, uh, all post libertarianism is, is a, is taking Hoppe's what must be done strategy and putting it into full force. Now, that's not all of us. All, all of us have different ideas. I mean, I am. Yeah. Also, go make yourself wealthy, go acquire wealth and you'll be able to you'll have more liberty, you'll have more freedom. Um, but I also think that once you acquire that, we're not going to get out of this by just doing that. Um, we're going to have to I, I think really Hoppe came up with the strategy 25 years ago is local communities. And you're going to have to pick your local communities because if you're in a local blue community it's not going to work it's not going to work um you 
have to get into red communities and start taking over the local government there and then start implementing things to start to privatize, privatize certain um, things. I got a pretty nice one going on right here, man, which is pretty fucking fascinating. And I live in a little town. There's like 8,000 people here, less than 8,000 people here. And uh, I was, I'm an asshole. So I walk anywhere I want without a fucking mask. I'll go into a store and I just, I was wondering why no one was giving me shit. And I found out that like our sheriff is like one of six sheriffs here in Oregon that calls themselves a constitutional sheriff. Uh And they're not enforcing any of these fucking mask mandates and shit, which is fucking beautiful. And I'm like, this is a prime fucking place for that sort of thing. And, um, I mean, I actually listened to your, your podcast that you had, um, with Matt Erickson, And I told you about that, that like that fucking broke my brain, dude. Like I was one of those hard autists that wouldn't even vote against the fucking tax because voting is violence. You know, that was just, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I I was one of those assholes (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and I still get it. And like, it is, it is, it is like philosophically pure and shit, but what are you going to do with it? You're just going to fucking die with your fucking principles and so yeah i mean well and so the whole uh, voting thing is like i mean i I don't know it just seems you know it's like oh voting doesn't change anything oh voting is violence we'll pick one same people say say both of them you know so um yeah that's true but I, (laughs) i really think like Andrew from Popular Liberty is the one who has really opened my eyes to the fact that, well, let's start using economic principles for these things. People desire a state. Well, they're going to have a state. Somebody's going to provide. If there's if there's a need out there, somebody's going to step in and they're going to fill it. Now, is it very libertarian to force them to not have a state? Well, no, people have to, you know, people have to fulfill their needs and everything. So um, the market provides, but you're doesn't mean that it has to be universal. It doesn't mean you can start something locally that especially in an area where people are more open to the ideas of um, more individual liberty or um, less state power. And, you know, start working at that and start tearing it down because honestly, the, you know, the people that I know that, that I've talked to who've been like, yeah, I mean, we've never worn masks around here this whole time. It's just, it, it, none of this has ever touched us. They're in small red communities that just refuse to deal with it, you know, refuse to succumb yeah. to this bull crap. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, uh, you know, you have to understand once you get past, I, I think this is what most libertarians and even people who want to call themselves anarchists need to get past. If people want the state, the state's going to exist. The only, if people want the yeah. state and the state's going to exist, the only way there's not going to be a state if the state want, if, if this, if people want the state to exist is you're going to have to overthrow and destroy the state but that's not going to change the fact that those people still want a state and they're just going to have another state. So what do you do? You have to build something outside of the state and you can do that through the local government. I mean, people really need to 
go listen to Hoppe's What Must Be Done and listen to it, it's going to be foreign to your ears. Listen to it 10 or 20 times like I have until it sinks in and you're like, okay, yeah, if we want to see more, it's not going to be anarchism. We're not going to have anarchism, but we can have radical, radical decentralization. We can have radical liberty. We can, you know, some of us could be in charge of our own statecraft if we want, but yeah, it's just, people need to get past this, this ideal and yeah, yeah, man, it hurts because I mean, I that is something that I've realized over the like just the last few months that it's like, I don't think that humans can go without a fucking state, honestly. Like I, I read the fucking Bible and you're listening to the Israelites begging God for a king. You know what I mean? And God's like, you're stupid. You don't want it. And they're like, yes, we do. You know, we're fucking morons. And I think that the world is made up of morons and. I think that, unfortunately, like, we're going to have a fucking state. And it, I don't want it, and it sucks, but like like you said, we, we're going to have to build something. We're going to have to build, if we want an alternative, we're going to have to build that alternative. Yeah. And we can, and anarchists don't want to hear this, but there are ways that you can build it through the system through their system. Yeah. And it's not going to look like you want it to look, but it's going to look a hell of a lot better than what we have now. And if you're well, not willing to settle, you know, I mean, I remember Dave Smith had um, Nick Gillespie on and Nick Gillespie, somebody that I've had my differences with over the years. Um, but even Dave said, look, we have our differences. I'm an anarchist and you're not, but I'd be a fool not to to not think that I'd have more liberty in the society that you want. But some people are so principled, they'd rather go to the freaking gulag than live in a minarchist state. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, you know, it's like, it's like I always say, and it really pisses people off, is you're going to be the most principled person on the boxcar. And, you know, good luck. You know, I mean... <laughs> Good luck getting it, getting out of that, you know. And then just to just I'll hide a pair of dice up my ass, yeah. and then we can at least play yeah. while we're in the fucking. <laughs> and then just to, just to needle them, I, I make sure to to say that the box car is going to be privately owned by Amazon, so you're not going to be able to complain about it. <laughs> yeah, I love when people think I'm yeah, serious man. by saying that too, because people are just so just so stupid. Uh, I mean, sort of, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, everything's private now. I mean, I, that's one of the things. I don't know. Did you see that tweet I put out? I was sharing a story out of New York where there were three women from Texas who went to New York. They went to go in a restaurant, and the hostess told them they needed to wear a mask. And, like, they proceeded to I've read that the article. shit out they of the hostess the and, and everything. I and loved it. I loved my it. Point, my point of that whole thing was when you read the article um, – a representative of the restaurant, not the hostess, said, says, our hostess is just trying to do her job. And no, 
She was not trying to do her job. She was doing the job of the police. She was doing the job of a health inspector. She was doing the job of a government agent. And that's fascism. That is how they're implementing fascism. Most people have this. I asked a guy this morning from Australia to define fascism, and he wouldn't because he's going to define fascism by going anything Donald Trump does. And that's not what yeah. fascism is. Anything I don't like. Yeah, fascism yeah. is the marriage of govern of of the of the state and private business, and that is a prime example of the marriage of the state and private business. The state does not want to look yet look dictatorial, look totalitarian, so they just have private businesses do it, and that's called fascism. And people don't realize that that's what fascism is because fascism is another one of those words like liberty or like racism that doesn't really have a meaning anymore. But yes, it does. It's called the marriage of business of the state and private business and when they're working and they're colluding. And especially in this case where the state is calling on private businesses to exercise a monopoly on force and violence. I mean, it's- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made a meme of a fucking skeleton, and it's like me waiting for Antifa to start writing. Now that the government's gone full fascist, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're, not, they're a bunch of welfare. Uh, Antifa's a bunch of welfare it. queens. I mean, they 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 call themselves anarchists, and they can't wait to pick up their welfare check. It's wild, man. I, I try to talk to my best friends in Ancom. And so we have some fascinating conversations, dude. And he's fully vaxxed and he's fully this, that, and the other. And I, I'm just, I don't even know what to say to him. You know, we, he's ready to punch me half the time. You still have a conversation with me, which is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why these people, you know, oh, I, I got a vaccine so we could get back to normal. We wouldn't catch COVID. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I could still catch COVID? Oh, it's just not going to be that bad, but I can still catch COVID. So now they're scared of catching COVID, even if it's a little, even if it's a mild case of COVID. And it's like, well, you were sold a bill of goods and now they're going to tell you, you need the third booster and the fourth booster and the fifth booster. And this is going to be just like the flu shot, except they're going to do it every friggin' four to six months. And it's it's remarkable. I mean, coronavirus. This virus is not going away until everybody gets it. Yeah. It, the reason yeah. why it's perpetuating itself so much right now is because they introduced the vaccine too early, and the vaccine didn't really do anything. And, and it wasn't the vaccine wasn't. You know, it's like I said the other day. If you're going to come out with a vaccine, maybe like know where this came from first. Know how it evolved. No, I mean, maybe they do know. Maybe it was gain of function research in Wuhan. That's what I'm assuming. It could have came out of a lab here in the United States like the Spanish flu did. I mean, so. <laughs> so I'm not a fucking genius, but like the flu comes back every goddamn year, even though we fucking take flu shot. I mean, I don't, but you know, it, so. We're just going to have to live with this, right? It's just going to keep coming back and keep coming back, isn't it? Until like, everybody gets it. It doesn't matter Every, how yeah. many dummies get but it. But everybody's going to have to get it, yeah. and then it'll just be a flu every year. It'll just be a yeah. – um, you know, I don't know that the Delta variant or whatever this thing was um, this year was more powerful than – was more virulent than 
what happened last year. Um, I don't know, but the variant should. Everybody I know has it though. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, every mother, because like this time last year, you'd ask somebody, "Do you know anybody that has it?" They're like, "No, not a single motherfucker." But now this year. I know like 80 fucking people that have yeah. it currently. Oh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, and it kicked my ass. You know, I was down for a couple, I was down for like two and a half, three weeks, but um, I got through it. I feel, com- I, I feel very confident in myself now um, that I can deal with it, but these, they should be, it should be getting weaker. Every variant should be weaker and weaker and weaker. But, you know, Gert Vander, how's, uh, I can't remember, I can't pronounce his last name, um, He's talked about how because the vaccines were introduced so early and they're not the right kind of vaccines, that it was going to cause this to be worse. I mean, he called that like back in March, February or March. And um, yeah, I remember like, that, yeah. that that interview you had with him. What was the fucking medicine that he was trying to that he was trying oh, no, to push? That, like that, was Knut, fucking... that was Knut Witkowski, not Geert Vender. OK, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Knut, yeah, Knut had a great thing. Hopefully I'm going to see him. Hopefully I can see him when I'm in New York. But, you know, it was just a couple things on a supplement list that he wanted to wanted to put together. But, I mean, that'd be too easy. Yeah, it'd be. It, Did he know. ever push that out? Because I want to get the I, I get that fucking supplement. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's it's gone out, but I'll see. And get back yeah. in touch with them. But the yeah, um, DM me. Yeah, I mean, it's but they don't want. It's this is about the vaccine. It's always about the vaccine. They, they don't want they don't want anybody using that horse dewormer stuff. Horse space. Yeah, horse yeah, space. Yeah. They don't want anybody using the uh, the fish tank cleaner. Um, it's they it's this is all about the vaccines and which yeah. should really tell you something. I mean, I, I honestly believe that like um, the terms um, herd immunity and natural immunity will be stricken from like every from every medical book, everything. I think that it'll just disappear. This is we're gonna It's going to all be about your health, the health, the health. You're the healthiest person that you know is going to be the person who's had the most jabs in their arms. That's where I think we're going. And it's like, um, no, I mean, all the free fucking Krispy Kreme donuts too. They can just be a fat wheelchair bound cunt uh, with purple fucking hair. When I got this thing, when I got this thing a couple months ago, that's the first time I had been sick in 10 years. I, mean, yeah. I hadn't been, I mean, I had, maybe I had a fever for a day or something like that, you know, and it was probably caused by something I ate or something like that or something I was exposed to or something like that. But it was like, I had never been knocked out like this in over 10 years, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, it just seems like it's, it's just going to be medical. Well, what therapy. they're calling health now, what they're calling being healthy now, because I mean, that's the whole thing too. It's like, I don't trust these fucks and I, and I want to be able to, you know, theoretically. And I did want to, but I was like, they never once talked about exercise. They never once talked about taking vitamins. They never once talked about like taking care of yourself. You know, all they would fucking do is like, just wear a mask, stay indoors. Don't get any fucking fresh air or sunlight. If you need to talk to somebody, you can call them on the phone or use a Zoom. Like, don't get – have no physical contact. You know, all of those things that are just, like, 
it's all anti-life, man. Every single thing. And if you're a good little fucking supplicant slave and you take the fucking jab, you can get a free donut every day, actually. You know, every single day you can go get a free fucking donut really? for Krispy Kreme? Absolutely. If you're jabbed, you show them your thing, you can get a free fucking donut every day. That's very healthy. You know who has yeah. you know who's given <laughs> like the best health advice through this whole thing? Freaking Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan. He's like, oh, well, you know, eat right, exercise, and um, you should be good. And then he gets in trouble for that. I mean, and he's not anti-jab. I mean, he's he's not taking it. He's not telling people not to take it. And I'm not telling people not to take it. If you want to take it, take it. I do not. I don't care. Just don't force me to take it. I mean, I've had it. I'm, yeah. I've had it. I have natural immunity. If you don't know what natural immunity is, look it up. If you can't fi- find, if you can't find out what, um, if it's been scrubbed from the internet, maybe go to a library and find a book. Um, but yeah, there is such a thing called natural immunity, and that's part of evolution. That's the other. Wild it's part thing, of man. evolution, that's the other which wild is thing. supposed to be science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other wild thing is like that's not mentioned in the if you show, uh, you know, antibodies, then you can also walk into a restaurant or something like that. You can have a little fucking pass that says, yep, I have antibodies, so I'm fucking good to go, too. That's not included. You know, it, it's fucking wild. Yeah, New York. Is that's not, not even in the conversation. New York does not allow like um, their whole law is like it's only vaccine. That. Yep. That should just tell you something. I mean, that should tell you something. I mean, and I remember last year, you remember the meme that um, the reason they were stretching this out is to get Trump out of office. Remember, yeah. that's what it was, everybody was. Saying, oh, this is just, this, they're just stretching this out to get Trump out of office. I'm like, then why are they doing it in pretty much every country in the world? And yeah. do you still believe that? You know, 10 months after the election? Do you still believe that this was only to get Trump out of the out of office? Because it definitely seems like it was something more and a lot more. I mean, I was one of those dummies, dude. I I basically figured that was most of the reason. And the other reason why I generally fall now is like I think it was economic. I mean, anybody that studies Austrian economics knew that we are in for the biggest fucking depression ever right and so they popped the bubble themselves like they knew we were fucked right and so they create they shut down the entire goddamn economy and screeched it to a fucking halt so that they could point at that and it's not us we didn't fuck it up covid fucked it up right and i think that that's maybe that's part of it and then they want us to crash so fucking hard that they can switch to do to the new like what digi dollar the u.s fuck you yeah u.s coin or whatever it's going to be and yeah that's why i've been screaming at people to get cryptocurrency to get bitcoin and even if you don't want to get bitcoin get gold and silver if you're completely against bitcoin because you think the grid's going to go down and then you won't be able to do anything with it then at least get gold and silver i mean at least that is you know what donnie gebert says he goes it's wealth it's it's wealth preservation, um, but Bitcoin and is the way of the future. I mean, that is that's going to be yeah. wealth. It's going to be. I don't even know if I'd call it wealth. I would just call it existence. That's going to be like existence. I mean, I um, 
I wish I had the balls to put more into crypto, you know, is because it's just yeah. like, I'm just like, oh, you never know when a bill's going to come along. You never know when you could have a catastrophic bill and, you know, you, you're going to, but you could always crash out. You could always cash out the crypto if you wanted to. So it's like so stupid. And it's like, well, what if when I need that bill, there's like a dramatic drop in crypto and everything. You always talk yourself, yeah. you always talk yourself out of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know. Are you putting a certain amount every month, or are you doing a little chunk? Or? Oh, it's like um, when I get when I get an extra something that unexpected, you know, like someone donates um, something to me, and um, I wasn't expecting it. That's what I use to throw and get crypto with. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've been trying to. I I'm a fucking I'm a dummy, dude. I don't even understand all this shit. I've got a little bit of Bitcoin. I got a little bit of Ethereum, and uh, every time I tried to put money into Ethereum, there was such a huge like transaction fee that I was like, "Fuck this!" Like I put fifty bucks in, and I get and I kept it kept thirty. They like took twenty dollars from me. I was like, I don't know how the fuck hmm. to use it. So I weird. I was trying to use Coinami. I was trying to use some of those other apps. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, man. Maybe we, we can talk after and you sure. can teach me how to fucking. Yeah, I do yeah. actually. I do actually have to start getting going. Okay, I got you, brother. Well, thanks, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. This was cool. Yeah, like um, especially in the beginning, talking about talking about all that craziness with uh eschatology and everything like that. I was like, I, I could talk about that all the time. I could talk about that every day. It's just, um, it's mind boggling to me that it's also sad how many lives have been lost because of that. Oh, dude. God damn, man. And then the apologists for it, my whole fucking family. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Well, I appreciate well, man. Thank Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah. Thanks brother. All right.